It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi, it's Luke, just jumping into the edit before the podcast starts. This episode was recorded on Sunday, and Race Across the World Celebrity episodes were supposed to begin today on Wednesday the 13th of September. The episodes begin in Morocco, and the BBC had decided to pull the start of the show for a while out of respect for those caught up in the Moroccan earthquakes. So, I have decided to make an editorial decision, as is my way and right, as an editor of the podcast, uh, to put this out with the proviso that Race Across the World, which is the last show the team talk about, is not going to be on when Matt says it's going to be on. Uh, we'll put a date out on Twitter as soon as we do, because the team all love the show, they give it a rave review, and they don't spoil anything. But I'll let you know when Race Across the World Celebrity starts. Enjoy the podcast, that's all you hear from me. Hi everyone and welcome to the Custard TV podcast. Uh, we're back after a week away. That is because we found out that the uh, the studio where we record is full of rack and we had to do some surveys. That's a bit of satire for you. Dawn's here. Hello, Dawn. Hello. My my life is full of rack, thanks. Your <laughs> <laughs> life is just built on rack. Yes, it is. And crumbling slowly around me. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here. And also joining us from the Honeymoon Period podcast, Elaine's back on the show. How are you, Elaine? Yeah, I'm really good. And because I take things literally, I started thinking, which studio are we in? Am I meant to be in a studio? (laughs) See, people don't know. We could be in a studio. (laughs) If if Luke uh, put his hand in his pocket. Back to talk about uh, telly and the shows we will be talking about this week are from uh, Apple TV. We have The Changeling from ITVX uh, via Max. It's Love and Death, Sky Atlantic's The Lovers and Race Across the World is back. But this time the celebs are getting involved in the act. Uh, But first, we've had a week off, so Dawn has probably got a massive list of stuff she's been watching. Uh, But first, we'll go to Elaine, our our guest today. What what have you been watching, Elaine? What have you been your highlights recently? Well, actually, it's been a custard TV pick. Uh, I listened to one of the one of the most recent episodes of the custard TV, and I decided to go back to only murders in the building. I left 
the first series partway through it just wasn't working for me I don't know why I don't know whether it was just the time of year sometimes you know you start a show and you just you're just not feeling it even though everyone else is raving about it and halfway through sort of left it didn't go back then as you said on the episode the second series didn't get as good a a review but when I listened to yourselves and Sophie talking about this third series, the people who were in it, Meryl Streep, Paul Rudd, and taking us through the plot, I thought, you know what? I'm going to give it another go. I'm going to jump to the third series. I'm not going to go back to you know, the, the first series and start all over again. I'll jump to the third series. I'll give the first episode a go. I'm sure I'll be able to pick it up. And if I still, like, it's not working for me, if I'm still there, I'll just leave it and it'll be fine. But I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm absolutely obsessed and I love uh, like Dawn said on that episode I love that idea of going back weekly and not taking it all in at once and it's something to look forward to I I really love Selena Gomez I think she's brilliant and, and I know, I'm not to be reductive but I I love her look I love the way she looks I think that being a lady of a curvy nature it is nice to see ladies of a curvy nature on our screen and she just looks beautiful and so confident and present within herself. I'm just loving it. I'm loving the murder mystery. I'm loving looking at her in amazing clothes. I don't the know. Sweaters, <laughs> yeah, the sweaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the sweaters. Yeah, just I'm, I'm not a comedy person and so I don't know if I'm finding it funny or not. But I'm really enjoying it. I don't think I'm laughing out loud or anything like that. I'm not really a big Steve Martin fan, or you know. But I'm I'm loving that interplay between Martin Short and Meryl Streep, and just Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd. It's just amazing, isn't it? I I love it. I really love it, and I, I am tempted to go back now to the first series. You don't want to put yourself through Cara Delevingne though in series no. two. You don't. Yeah. Oh, do I not? Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that doesn't sound like a fun thing to do. I think I'm sort of an episode behind. I've done the White Room one, which I think was sheer genius, and then the one after that. So I think I'm one behind. I think what they're doing so well in this one is they're sort of going back to focusing on the three characters a little bit more. And if anything, for me, the weaker element of it is the actual murder mystery. I care much more about the personal lives of the characters in this series than I do the murder mystery. I don't know if you agree, Dawn. Yeah, no, I agree, yeah. You know, I'm enjoying Andrea Martin as well mm. as Steve Martin's girlfriend. She's been a good addition and it's very timely. I don't know if you saw, there was a big hoo-ha online yesterday about Martin Short because um, Slate.com, I think, uh, released a hit piece on him basically saying, why mm. did he still have a career? And so the internet rallied and said, what are you talking about? Martin Short is genius. Absolutely. Um, Enjoying that. Anything else, Elaine? The only other thing I'm catching up on is a murder mystery theme. Is I'm I'm still I'm still working through Poker Face. Um, okay. um, we've just finished the penultimate episode, so we've got the last, you know, we've got the final episode to go. We've taken it really, really slowly, as befits a show that took forever to get over to the UK for us to watch it. But we've really savoured it. We've not rushed them. And it's always been, this is me and my husband, it's always been on an an evening where we know we can give it our full attention. We're not just sticking it on in the background. Every episode is different. It's phenomenal how different each episode can be with that through line of Natasha Leone on the road, essentially. 
and the cameos and the people who are turning up in each episode are just phenomenal. Sometimes I'm a little bit sad that they use sort of those old school credits that come up at the beginning. Yeah. And, it, you know, so who's going to be on this week, which is lovely. in one sense, you're like, all oh, right, that's going to be it. But sometimes I, I, I quite like the thing where someone comes on the screen and you have to sit for ages working out who it is and if you've got someone next to you you're trying to do it before they can like what they've been in um and racing to get to the right answer whereas when it's just there and you can see in the in the you know the block letter writing in front of you it kind of takes away that that element of surprise but there've been some amazing cast members like um Nick Nolte's popped mm. up in in one oh, of the was more recent ones brilliant and we ended up sitting you know reading wikipedia remember trying to remember like what he had done recently and what he'd been doing in the past and would he be doing something else in the future i'm i'm really really pleased that there's been such a diversity of the, of the casting in terms of you know all the demographics that you can think of and i love natasha leon i think she's brilliant i'm interested to get to the final episode so i can see if it sets up for an, another series i'd love there to be another series have you heard that if there's there is yeah there's there there, there is Mm -hmm. one I think they they announced it before the first series ended perhaps I would agree with you there as well sometimes the cast list almost spoil it like anytime they say that Benjamin Bratt's going to be in the episode especially (laughs) yeah I won't spoil it for you but there's one in in the last episode as well that like oh why did you tell me that person was in this Dawn what about you I I haven't watched that much to be honest you'd think I had a life or something I finished the following events are based on a pack of lies okay I didn't love it it felt messy you know it felt like there was a lot of things they were trying to do and there was, there was a scene near the end with um Marianne oh Jean Baptiste her character does this big speech about basically even if you catch this con man he'll go to prison he'll write a book his memoir the world will fall in love with him and it'll be made into a Netflix series and, you know, he'll still win, basically. And I thought that was really interesting. But it got lost in a lot of ridiculousness with fancy dress and Alice in Wonderland themes and um, magic and a, a maze and stuff. It got a bit ridiculous in the end, which, which was a shame. But uh, other than that, I'm continuing watching Women in the Wall, which I'm absolutely loving. And as I said on Twitter... If you're watching Women in the Wall and enjoying it, I do recommend checking out Daryl Breen's stand-up that's on the iPlayer, uh, which is called Where Were We? Because it, be, it nicely dovetails with the, the story of the Women in the Wall about the lo- Irish laundries. If you're watching Women in the Wall and are traumatised, watch Daryl Breen and you'll be uplifted. So it's a kind of, you know, it's sort of balance out. And... I finished, of course, the after party. The after party, I was going to ask you about this. See, that's what you need to watch, Elaine. I know Mark's been talking about it on the podcast. (laughs) Yes, I know. Yes, he has. (laughs) (laughs) If you you are only murders, it's it's very similar in tone, isn't it? And I I think it's different. I wouldn't say I prefer one over the other, but certainly in terms of consistency and the way they do a different genre each time as well. Without giving it away, I suppose, what's been your favourite episode of it, Dawn? Your favourite? I think my favourite was Detective Danners. This, <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. We had um, sex stuff with food. Yes, we had sex stuff with food. Yeah, but I also loved the um, Elizabeth Perkins episode. I thought that mm. was brilliant. Isabel, um, yeah, the sort of 
um, noirish sort of gaslight, wasn't it? So, yes, yes, um, Hitchcockian. Yeah. Um, in the final episode, there is a little bit of a soap opera homage, which I thought was quite. I don't know if it was meant to be like American soap operas or mm. Korean soap operas because I've never watched Korean soap operas. All with the soft lighting and the everybody standing behind each other looking tense, which was was very funny. If they're bringing it back for a third season. I don't know what they're going to do in terms of the... It felt very fi- final, didn't it? Where they took Dan and all the cameos in the, in the last scene. Cameos in the end, yeah. Including uh, Jack Whitehall's ex. I don't know if you picked what? up on that. Gemma Chan was in. Oh, yes. And I think with the Isabel character as well, they sort of backtracked on what they'd set up in that episode. That was the only thing I thought, like, you know, the whole gaslighting thing. Yeah, yeah. Apart from that, I thought everything, all the other little strands sort of wrapped up quite nicely, which is hard when you've got about eight characters to... um, I like that they gave Travis a little win at the end as well. Yeah. Over Jack Whitehall's character. Apart from those, the after party and only murders in the building, not a great deal. Again, I don't know what's been going on, Dawn. <laughs> this could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Quickly, Elaine, do you want to just explain a little bit about your podcast and where we can uh, hear it? So we are the Honeymoon Period podcast. You can hear it anywhere you get your podcasts. And on the Honeymoon Period, you'll hear me and my husband talking about the films and TV that we've been watching recently. We are on Instagram and Twitter at The Honeymoon Pod. And you can find me at Elaine G. Writes. That's E-L-A-I-N-E-G. Writes as in W R. I-T-E-S, as in writing a book, which is what I'm doing. Very exciting. Fiction, is it, or non-fiction? Non-fiction. It's a memoir. Oh, OK. Um, and Dawn, have you, can you talk about your new podcasting projects that you've got on the... I can, yes. Yes, I am appearing on the uh, Daryl Dixon podcast uh, with um, Kelly, who um, runs Tyborg Media, she does a, has a, several podcasts, including one for um, Yellow Jackets and Cruel Summer. And she's doing the latest spin-off from The Walking Dead. Um, as you may know, The Walking Dead finished after 11 seasons. And now they have several spin-offs. Dead City, which was the one with Negan and Maggie, set in New York. And the latest one is Daryl Dixon in France. How did he get to France after the, in the, you know, 12 years after the apocalypse? Nobody knows. So I'll be on that for the next six weeks, um, discussing all things French zombies. Sorry, did you say where you could find that? No, I didn't because I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just search for the for Cyborg. Follow Dawn on on Twitter at. Yes, you can follow me on Don Glenn too. Okie dokie. Let us start um, today's reviews uh, with Love and Death. Now, Dawn, were you on when we talked about Candy? I was indeed. Yes. Yes. The Hulu version of the story of uh, Candy Montgomery. Uh, that version starred Jessica Beale as Candy, who murdered uh, Betty Gore, who was uh, someone she knew from church and was the wife of um, her lover, Alan. I can't remember who played Alan in the. Uh, Pablo Schreiber. Pablo Schreiber, and he played by Mr. Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons. This version is written by David E. Kelly and it 
delves more into the build-up to the murder and the affair between Candy and Alan. Um, if my memory serves, Dawn C- Candy very much started with the murder and gave us very little about the characters. And I think the aim here with Love and Death is to give us more of Candy and the music that is used for the opening titles is uh, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. So that sort of tells you where we're going with this. Uh, we do also have a Luke special because everyone needs to know that what this is about. You know, we've got the what we presume is the murder scene um, in June 1980, blood everywhere in the house. Uh, we then flash back to 1978 where we meet Candy, her, her husband Pat, who are with Alan and Betty outside the church that they all attend. Following interaction at a volleyball game, Candy finds herself attracted to Alan, telling him this very matter-of-factly for muting the idea that they pair may have an affair. We see that Candy's a little bit disenfranchised with her life with Pat, who's prevented as a bit of a prat, really, I would say. You know, nice guy, but a bit of a fool, always putting his, uh, his foot in it. While Alan is a bit put upon by Betty, who's sort of obsessed with having a, a baby and giving him very sort of strict instructions about how to conceive in in one of the earlier scenes. Alan finally agrees to Candy's proposition of an affair. They then do a lot of admin, drawing up some rules uh, before they embark on the affair. Um, They then have their first liaison, and then we see Candy in the shower, and we flash back again to 1980 post-murder. Elaine, were you... uh, familiar at all with this story had you were you aware that there was another dramatization of this anything like that and and what were your thoughts on love and death no i mean i had i'd seen on whichever streaming platform it's all candy come up and i knew that it was true crime and it was sort of on my list to to see that's a jessica beale production and 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 it was sort of there in the background but never got around to it i still didn't know the story i still didn't know what actually happened so i think i've come to this as fresh as i possibly can um i'm attracted by the casting of elizabeth olsen who i love particularly in wandavision i really thought she was beautiful in in that and jesse plemons as you say mr kirsten dunce and and i and i loved the David E. Kelly productions. I, I saw when this started up, uh, Nicole Kidman, who was in Big Little Lies, is also an exec producer. So I do like those grand productions. So I came to it fresh. I didn't know the story. When, you know, the Luke special occurred, I, it took me by surprise because I wasn't sure where we were where we were going in terms of the flashback. Um, it was it was a new thing to me. I, I watched two episodes, two episodes um, okay. encouraged by my other half to go to episode two, mm. because at the end of episode one, I just he'd asked me what I thought about it. And I, I just I just felt it was quite slow. And that was my o- overarching feeling coming out of it was I just wasn't quite sure why it was taking so long to perhaps get to the crucial points. I understand your point there, Matt, about trying to maybe give more in this production about Candy and about the characters and why this murder has happened. So I, I take that point. But I still found myself at the end of the first episode sort of like, it, it, those scenes that you're talking about where her and Alan 
set up this strategy of like how this affair is going to go on it just seemed to drag on for and I know it's meant to that's what it's telling you that they took so much time in setting the ground rules for the affair but I just really wanted the affair to get get on and get going and off to the motel and you know start this this liaison and it took such a long time to get there. So I told my husband this and he said, oh, look, I've heard on the grapevine that, you know, it's kind of gets a bit better on, in episode two. And that, so I, I did watch episode two, but did feel particularly any different at the end of episode two, I have to say. I felt like almost that this was a reaction to Candy and how that was sort of adapted the story, because I found that very sort of over the top and very wiggy. And as we said, it got to the murder in the first episode. I think, like, if, Elaine, you're not really aware of what happened other than the little hints that we get, It's I think it's harder to then care about these characters and giving them a little bit more context. Well, I don't know if you agree, Dawn. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I just couldn't help comparing it to Candy. I mean, I did watch all of Candy in the end. I wouldn't say it was in, my, in any way in my top anything of the year. But I enjoyed it, and I think this made me appreciate it more, which is not a good thing to say about it. Okay. Because it felt like this was trying to be deliberately different, and taking the two... Vernon, 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 the heating and cooling specialist. The name says it all. When you focus solely on indoor comfort for 43 years, well, you get really good at it. Get your heating or cooling system tuned by a Vernon specialist today for only $69. Vernon's 60 to 90 minutes of meticulous system inspection guarantees energy savings or the tune-up is free. Now that's a value. Go to vernonheating.com. Vernonheating.com. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Um, aspect of it, I preferred the, the kind of over-the-top, because it is an over-the-top story, it's a it makes no sense and it is unbelievable and it's so out there and you know there are all the details that we learned um in candy certainly uh that you know like it took place on friday the 13th and she had the the newspaper open about the shining and all these things make it seem unrealistic but obviously it really happened and i think the candy stylized version suited the story better and this felt too mundane and as as Elaine said, and slow and a bit boring. I I really didn't hold my mm. attention much at all. I struggled mm. through it, I have to say. I obviously didn't watch all the candy, so you know, Dawn, you've got more of a comparison than me. I think the strength of it was definitely its performers. I got more out of the characters here than I did in that first episode of Candy. It was a lot less heightened. So if you if you like your true crime a little bit grittier or a bit more humanised, I would say, a bit more candy here, felt much more like a, a real person to me than she did when Jessica Biel was playing it. I thought uh, and Elizabeth Olsen was brilliant. Jesse Plemons, I believe, has been Emmy-nominated for his role here. I thought Patrick Fugit was brilliant as well as as Pat. I think yeah. his role... 
he's like just an, a nice guy, but he just can't help but you can sort of understand why Candy wanted something maybe a little bit newer and a bit fresher, perhaps. I don't know. And, you know, all these little corny gags that he's doing and laughing at Rodney Dangerfields on the TV. And I thought all that was great. I lo- I like the little sequence where they're all watching Grease when Beauty School Dropout's on and she's sort of thinking about her and Alan together and watching Pat sort of play around with his food and there were little bits in it where I thought, yeah, this is this is focusing more on like the, the human side of it in a way. I think the way they portrayed Betty was very sort of one dimensional. The thing that annoyed me about it, the rest of it, I was just like, Ugh. but I, I really was quite annoyed by the, uh, the, the how they portrayed Betty. In Candy, it was very clear that perhaps she was maybe neurodivergent or something. Melanie had... Linsky played her in yes, Candy, didn't she? Yes, she had issues and and you know she was a warrior and somebody who had a lot of of self uh, confidence problems but in in this she just comes across as quite cruel and heartless mm-hmm. and you know she's attacking the pastor in front of them and it, it was played much more like she was to blame obviously mm-hmm. she's blamed for being murdered but it, it put it much more on her which mm-hmm. I didn't like at all it, it was like it was justifying the affair between uh, Candy and uh, Alan uh, yeah. because Betty was awful. Where it was in 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 Candy, it was more it was Candy's decision. And, and you know, as you said, it's very matter of factly. I've just decided I want to have an affair. And I think they gave the motivation better in Candy. All the stuff with Jackie, the pastor, was much more um, explicit. Where. They said that Jackie got divorced and she went out and started dating and that made Candy jealous or start to imagine she could be doing this. And I don't think it was it was talked about enough. I feel like they did want to give more motivation to the characters, but I felt it missed the point. I don't know why she, she murdered her, but to me, <laughs> you know, to me, it felt like the motivation was slightly off, that it was all about jealousy and sexual jealousy and, and romance. Whereas in Candy, it was much more about that Candy had just this yearning for a specific life. Whereas this seems much more, it makes it much more mundane and run-of-the-mill love triangle type thing, which I didn't enjoy that aspect of it. That's really interesting because I was going to, when I was sort of doing my notes, I was had in the back of my head to ask you both the question of, you know, do you really believe this this love affair? Is it meant to be this great love affair? Because even when they finally do go to the motel and have an intimate moment, it doesn't seem that exciting to me. Maybe it says more about me than I want. But, <laughs> you know, it, it just seems very sort of like, yeah. oh, we've had a sexual encounter. And she's like breathing deeply as if it's the greatest love of her life and it's the most and she keeps saying oh it was wonderful and I just couldn't see anything on the screen that might lead us to believe that it was a wonderful encounter I just didn't feel that love affair you know that thing we're going to have an affair and the sparks flying I also had written in my notes poor Jesse Plemons and no wonder he's got nominated because it's an, it's not flattering that wig is it the wig the, the hair right across the face it really takes a lot out of him the scenes that he has to perform in every sense of the word with both his wife and with Elizabeth Olsen's character Candy don't seem to portray him in the best light that horrible scene that you alluded to yeah. Matt where they're trying for a baby and he's he's being 
in a very military way being told what to do i just oh i had my little toes were cringing yeah. for him as an actor as well as just generally in the in the show did you feel like sense of, am i missing something was the great love affair there well, i don't think it's very sort of practical isn't it them having an affair i don't think it's meant to be like a great love affair i don't think they're portraying it as that it's almost like a hobby for her <laughs> in Candy, they, they sort of made it it was more clear that it wasn't specifically about him that she just wanted an affair and he was the one that she was attracted to and would, it would work with as it goes on that she becomes quite bored with it quite quickly whereas he doesn't I think it, the planning of it and the idea of it was much more exciting to her than the actual reality of it because it wasn't about him whereas in love and death it does feel like they do start to grow together and form an emotional connection so when he breaks off she is devastated whereas in with with um candy it felt more like it was just a a personal slight like I, i need to win rather than i love him you know again it's all about what the motive is for her killing betty and i don't think anybody ever knows so everybody is guessing because you know there is no explanation so any version of events is correct it just i preferred the other one comparing it to candy i think this is the version of the story i preferred again though i think seven episodes feels like a lot for for this i'm i'm guessing the assumption is is they're all there that you you are just going to binge them on itvx although Watching it on ITVX, I got very annoyed very quickly about the amount of adverts that are on ITVX. If you like your true crime, I would definitely recommend to check it out and see what you think yourself. But again, I don't think it's something I'm particularly going to remember, maybe apart from the fact that it was odd that they did two dramas about the same story, really. But uh, there you go. That's uh, Love and Death, and that is all up on ITVX. Now, um, Now we turn over to... Uh, Apple TV Plus uh, for The Changeling, which is that's a horror thriller, sort of. That's a, I've put it down as fantasy horror. Fant- fantasy <laughs> horror, there we go. And Elaine is just going to set this up for us, so uh, good luck, Elaine. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've got it down as a, a Changeling is a, a new fantasy horror from, from Apple TV Plus, based on the book of the same name by Victor Laval. Um, a book that came out in 2017, which I, ha- I haven't read, but apparently was a was a, a good seller. Um, right from the beginning, we as the audience are told that this is a fairy tale. They even use the line "Once Upon a Time" right at the beginning of the the first episode. It's really, really explicit. This idea of fable and fantasy and and storytelling. The main characters we follow are Lakeith Stanfield's Apollo and Clark Bacow's Emma. In 2010, Apollo and Emma meet in a beautiful library that Emma's work in. I really love that library. He asks her out and she says no. Um, He asks her out again, she says no. And I think it takes them seven times before she finally, finally says, says yes. And there is chemistry, they go out for dinner, they seem to be getting on really, really well. Um, But then she reveals that the reason that it took her so long to say yes to a date is that she's moving to Brazil. He says goodbye to her at the airport and off she goes. And then sometime later, he receives a message to say she's on her way back to New York, which is where they're, they're living. And, you know, if he's still interested, 
um, she'd love to see his face at, at the airport and he he goes there the flight is delayed he ends up falling asleep as she sort of gets off the flight and there's this lovely reunion and as they reunite and they go out for something to eat she tells him that six months ago she was in a, a forest dwelling and she was told by the people that she was with not to go to a certain part of the forest and of course she goes and, and sees what's there and uh, we see in flashback that there is an old lady sitting by a waterfall and there's beautiful waters um, an old lady that quite frankly looks a little bit creepy and has a creepy laugh the old woman uh, grants her three wishes and as she is thinking about her wishes this old lady ties a red string around her wrist and she says to her when the string has worn away naturally those wishes will come true but she leaves her with a devastating warning which is never cut the string and she shouts it at her as she, she, she wanders away. So of course on hearing this story Apollo takes his little penknife out of his pocket and cuts the string and the string falls to the floor and then we see the the lady in the forest having a, a message from beyond that the string has been cut off and it, it all gets very very ominous. Back in uh, Apollo and Emma's Get, they get married and eventually they have a little boy called Brian and that's how the first episode ends. Alongside this main plot we also have these sort of other plot lines going on and a lot of flashback um, and backwards and, and forwards um, involving characters that at the beginning I wasn't sure who they were or how they had a connection with Apollo and Emma but it turns out that they are Apollo's mum and dad Lillian and Brian for whom the baby is is named after and we see their courtship which has a lot of uh, similarities between Apollo and Emma's courtship we also uh, learn about Apollo's dad's disappearance he's suddenly out of the picture and we see a lot about Apollo's mum and how she has to uh, work as a single mum and the challenges that, sh that she has. So we see a lot of that. There's, there's a great deal of numbers, as in years, being popped up on, onto the screen to sort of help us work out where we are. But as I say, the episode finishes with baby Brian being born and an ominous feeling that all will not be well. Whereas um, Love and Death took a while to get going, this just throws a lot of stuff in. Um, and, and asks you to keep up, uh, really. You know, there are various, like, dream sequences as well as you get in these fantasy horrors and what's real, what's not, that sort of thing. The woman you referenced as well had very creepy eyes as well as uh, yes. this general creepy. <laughs> uh, you've got to have that aesthetic. Uh, Dawn, I'll go to you first. What did you make to this? Because you did say you were, you were very much looking forward to this. And how yeah. many episodes did you watch? I watched the three that were available on um, Apple at the okay. moment. It wasn't quite what I expected in the sense of, uh, I'm not going to disagree, there was a lot in it. But in terms of the story, the synopsis, which, is, you know, basically says this is about Apollo looking for his missing wife and son and baby son. And so I assumed we would get to that point in the first episode. But that point doesn't arrive until episode three. I, re I kept watching to get to that point. But I mean, I was completely engrossed in it it is dense that is exactly the word there's so much layered stuff about all these people's lives and how they inter interconnect and the darkness the the fae 
uh, you know, the, the fairies, the, the fae involvement and how um, it's a very slow reveal of what is going on with um, Apollo's wife, Emma, and baby Brian. You, as the audience, don't know, they don't know. It's very, keeps you in the dark. But it is also hugely layered about the experience of being an African-American, of being an immigrant, the experience of parents full stop, of postpartum depression. Um, it, it is so full of symbolism and... Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Importance, it feels. It's not just like, let's just tell a creepy story with a creepy baby. I, I really love Apollo. I think he's a really, really good, really engaging central character. I, I felt his emotions with him. And the actress, I can't remember, I didn't write her name down, is Adina Porter, who plays um, Lillian, his mother, is, is really fascinating as well. It's not a fast-paced horror. It's not a shock horror. It's a slow-creeping Rosemary's Baby-esque, that feeling... That, the, the baby, to be clear, the baby is not the devil. I'll just put that as a spoiler. But um, it's that same creeping sense of something isn't quite right, but you can't put your finger on it. And there is a theme of, of Emma that things happen to her and she can't prove it. And that is such a big um, symbolism of being a woman with medical problems of any kind, you know, the, the not being believed. And obviously, especially when you're a new parent, it's, everything's put down to just worry and whatever. I, I think it's really, really good. I'm, I, I only wanted to watch the episode because this is the Wednesday release on Apple uh, that will be replacing um, the after party. And I've really enjoyed having something to watch every Wednesday. And hijack as well. And hijack, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's uh, you know it's got me into a rhythm now of Wednesday's new Apple TV day. So I'm absolutely looking forward to having this slowly be revealed to us over um however many weeks it is, uh, once a week, and and giving that that time to think about everything that happens in each episode because I, I do think it it deserves that. This is an odd one for me because I watched it last night and I'm still struggling to sort of put my thoughts together on it really. Because there is so much going on, I didn't get into it as much as I possibly could have done. Maybe, as you say, I need to watch a little bit more. The modern day characters, I, I just couldn't get a handle on them, really. I, di I didn't care as much as I think I possibly have to, to really be invested in Apollo and, and his story. And presumably, he, well, 
we know it's his quest to to find out what happened to his child because that as you say you, you were thinking this is what it's going to be and that's all in the trailer i didn't get into her as much as well and his pursuit of her was a bit strange he says like oh Oh, it's the voiceover, isn't it? Who says some will call it stalking? And I'm like, yes, it is sort of very stalkery <laughs> behaviour in a way. I think the, using voiceover as well, I always find a bit disconcerting as a storytelling device, unless there is a reason for it. it. Almost felt like we need to tell a lot of story quite quickly, and that's why we've got this voiceover here. But I agree with you. I think the most intriguing character in it is is his mum, is is Lillian. Um, Adina Porter's character I, I think she is a character who, who's got a lot of history we see something happen to her brother as well which is another element of it another bit of tragedy and her being his single mother as you said and providing for him his love of books I liked all that thing where people are giving her books to give to him and the use of music in those scenes as well I like the the sort of the variety of of music we got throughout the episode as well the supernaturalness of it all i'm not sure it's not i'm not as sort of as averse to that as luke but i don't know it never really got me there's these almost like dream sequences where um apollo's father comes back to almost sort of kidnap him when his mum's either in the bath or trying to commit suicide. I, mean, I was trying to work out what that was because she's like, is she trying to drown herself? I'm not sure. There's just a lot going on and it, it was just something that I never quite got a handle on. I never really cared about many of the characters. Maybe I should give it another shot just to see what it turns into and Dawn, you're very positive on it. But first reactions aren't great. What about you, Elaine? Yeah, I, I think I'm somewhere in the middle between between you both. I thought it was beautifully constructed I like things that make me work for them as well so I enjoyed sort of putting the pieces or attempting to put the pieces together but I think for me I'm either all in on the fantasy or I'm all in on it being real life when we've got this mix of we're real life most of the time but sometimes we're supernatural or we're real life but then there's a book that might be something to do with fetty you know and all of that makes me kind of go oh I just don't know where I am so I'm either watching Game of Thrones knowing that we're in Game of Thrones land or I'm watching you know a, a true crime like um the sixth commandment you know where I know I'm in real life these are real people and it's going to be dealt with respectfully. And, you, and, and you, you've you got those two worlds completely separated. When we've got this middle part, which makes me think of things like David Lynch films and where things might be real, but they might not. I find that really hard. I'm, I'm, I find David Lynch films, for example, really, really difficult to get with. And therefore, this made me feel like that. I was sort of in the middle. The other thing for me are, are the themes around ominous themes around children and loss and missing children or um, things that do not go well with children thematically for me as someone who's lost a child I find that really difficult and actually when I first read the synopsis for this I nearly got in touch with you both and said I'm not sure if I can I watch was, the change I was a bit worried I was a bit <laughs> but, worried but actually I was fine with mm. that first episode because it ends in the the birth mm. and everything is fine but I know that that you know from like you say from the trailer and from the the poster which is of him cuddling this baby and sort of with with fear in his eyes 
I didn't want to then go on to the next episode to see what might happen to that baby or to their family unit. It just wasn't something that I wanted to to go into. And that feeling of, is this real? Is this not? I, I also then, because I, I then got really into it and started to like read reviews of it to, to see if I could work out what was going on in my head or, or maybe it wasn't going to be as bad as I thought and maybe I could go to episode two. And one of the reviews talked about it being an alternate New York City. And I hadn't got that at all, that this were meant to be an alternate universe so that again makes me think oh I'm just I'm just not quite there um but I I still think it's beautiful and I totally get everything that Dawn says I think if it maybe was on a um a different theme I would absolutely be there you know sort of trying to get to grips with all the different storylines I quite like that sort of meshing of real world and fantasy normally as well like something like American Gods I really liked I don't know if either of you saw that with Ian McShane. Um, yeah, I didn't get on with that either, so that's interesting. <laughs> I'm the same. I really like meshing of real world and, and fantasy. But, I, I mean, I totally understand what Lane's saying. There's always going to be um, themes that people mm. want to watch for whatever reason. For me, I, I can't watch anything with, like, Alzheimer's or something. Like that I just can't. No matter how good it is, I can't enjoy it. And obviously, with it being a baby, it's a especially tricky to do you know um but it's it's such a common theme with the the fairy I'm somebody who loves that mythology um you know uh labyrinth is my favorite film and it's a similar kind of theme you know the fairies want the baby kind of thing very different I hasten to add but I I I really enjoy that kind of of uh, mythology there's the whole thing as well where he keeps saying I am the god Apollo and and things like that even though we know he's named after Apollo Creed from Rocky in the flashbacks <laughs> it's a strange one and I think I think it's one where everyone's going to have a slight different opinion of it so just a quick correction to what Dawn was saying it's Fridays on Apple TV Dawn okay. rather than Wednesdays yeah uh first three episodes are there now and then every um I think there's another five after that so eight episodes in total um but yeah that's the changeling and then moving to something completely different uh Sky Atlantic a new sort of comedy drama slash quirky drama I'm not sure what you would describe it as the lovers uh Dawn do you want to just uh, set this up for us the story of Seamus O'Hannigan and uh, Janet Seamus is um English although he's Irish of origin and uh, Janet lives in Belfast they have a meet cute in the style of romantic comedies uh, but this is quite a not so cute meet Seamus is a political uh, journalist and he's getting his first TV show and they are filming it in Belfast. So he will be flying over from his home in London to Belfast once a week to film this show. Being the arrogant uh, journalist he is, he overrides his producer when they try to do a piece about suicide and he turns it into, no, no, let's talk about unemployment and the youth of of, um. Northern Ireland standing around the street corners and he doesn't fall in front of said youth who funnily enough don't take kindly to his hit piece on them and uh, attack him and his crew and chase him through the, the back streets of Belfast and he ends up in the backyard of the house of Janet. Janet we have already seen it works in a supermarket she's disenfranchised not just with her job but with life She's a very sarcastic and and mouthy kind of of 
character, we see her um, boss, Philip, played by my one true love, Conleth Hill. Gets as soon as I saw him, I was like, yeah, Dawn's going to like this bit of Conleth Hill. He's not, he's not in it enough for my liking. Um, yeah, he is a considerate and thoughtful manager. And he says, look, you're having a bad day. Why don't you go home, come back tomorrow with a fresh attitude, no more moodiness, no more being rude to people. And Janet lets slip a little phrase and she says, I'm going to do it tonight. And uh, her manager says, uh, how is your mental health? And we discover that she is in a very, very dark place. And she goes home and flicks through a magazine, eats some chocolate, and then takes a shotgun and goes into her backyard to kill herself. And that is when Seamus lands in her backyard. Thus, the gun goes off, saves her life. He saves her, she saves his. But he is trapped there because these youths are outside. So they are forced to spend some time together. He eventually gets a taxi and leaves but he can't stop thinking about the fact that this woman was planning to kill herself and he goes back worrying that she has smashes her window thinking she's attempting it again but turns out no she was just eating another bar of chocolate and by returning he's um it's later in the day and it is impossible to get a taxi home so he is trapped in her house and she offers to let him stay the night so he does and they have a instant connection they have a strange bantery flirty relationship she's very open about the fact that she was uh, attempting suicide and he is perturbed she doesn't know who he is he's famous don't you know next morning he's going to be interviewing uh, his first big politician and he's very nervous so she sings him a little song that she's made up about don't be nervous nerves are for dickheads he's nervous on the plane flying home and he sings her little song and, and so we see how the influence that she's had on him and she discovers at that point that yes he is famous and he also has a famous girlfriend an actress uh, called Frankie so she's going to send him an Instagram uh, message and say how dare you not tell me you, you have a, a girlfriend even though nothing actually happened between them they didn't kiss they just they just had a connection but instead she just sends him a message saying hi and he says I'll be back in Belfast next week. Not a spoiler to say that they will become lovers um, and how it unfolds and the situation with his girlfriend. He uh, There's lots of Ireland versus England. Um, it turns out he has a very complicated past. We learn that her husband has left her, but she tells everybody that he died. And in each ter- version, she tells a different story involving <laughs> death by dildo. They have this, uh, as is the way with many rom-coms, almost moments, almost get together, lots of brushing of hands against each other, um, and uh, they go on to then have a connection and how it's moving forward, how it will affect their life. And how many did you watch, sorry, Dawn? I watched four. Four of six, I think there is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, this is written by David Ireland, who's primarily known as an actor. I believe he was in a few episodes of Derry Girls. I think I preferred it more when she was on screen. I think her character is, is much... I think maybe that's the point. that she, She's the character that you sort of like more, even though she is really absur- acerbic. She's a lot more down-to-earth. I would have liked a little bit more context early on, maybe with her character. I felt like we followed him a lot more than we did with her. I only watched the first episode 
I, I like the sort of the spoof of the political show, you know, when he's filming his trailer and it's Sunday with Seamus on Sunday with me, you know, over and over again. The stuff where they were together, actually, I quite like the stuff, as you say, with the song and the story she tells him about the husband dying and the stuff with her and Conmouth Hill at the supermarket. But when we were with him again, I think he is an egotist. And I do, I have liked Johnny Flynn in the other things. I thought he was really good in the most recent adaptation of Emma with uh, opposite Andy Taylor-Joy. And obviously he's responsible for the Detectress theme tune as well. So, you know, we'll forever like Johnny Flynn. What did you think of their chemistry, Dawn, having seen four episodes? Because you have to sort of buy into their chemistry, I think is the thing. I, I do think it grows. They do have these scenes, which um, something I mentioned on Twitter just the other week. When you have characters who are, are meant to get on together, they should actually laugh. And they do. There are scenes of them both laughing. And I found that really important to get their chemistry across. I didn't buy it initially for the same reasons. I, I felt he was very flat as a person, not in terms of acting, but just as a character. Mm. I still think he is, is lacking in terms of <laughs> compared to Janet. But at least I can see why they like each other. Whereas it made, you know, I was thinking about Significant Other, the um, ITV comedy we watched mm. with uh, Catherine Parkins, where we didn't understand why they were attracted to each other. He yeah. horrible, this at least does that. You can see that he can be funny at times, that he takes her banter very well, rather than, you know, being po-faced about it. But, yeah, I think their chemistry is good and it does get better. Elaine, as you said at the start, you're not a massive fan of all things comedy. So did did this hit for you or did, did it just not work at all for you? And I'm not a fan of all things romance either. So when I see sort of like <laughs> the lovers and romantic comedy or quirky comedy, honestly, I thought out of all of the shows that we were watching this week, I thought, oh, I'm going to hate this. I'm going to hate this. But then I saw they were like 30 minutes-ish. And I thought, oh, well, okay, right, I'll watch that one first. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. And out of all of the shows, I would have said, this is the one that I'd be coming on and saying, you know, not for me. Actually, I really liked it. I really liked it. I watched two episodes and a bit of the third, and then I got interrupted. I couldn't quite get into the third one. But I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to seeing this chemistry growing. There's a lovely scene in in the second episode of them at a bar. And like Dawn says, those moments of banter and laughing and gazing into each other's eyes, but in a really realistic way, in a way that you do when you fancy someone and you're on a date and you just like them and you're just staring at them and they're staring back at you and you've got like this spark between you and everything's really funny and not in an awkward way, but then a bit of an awkward way. And you can just sort of see it all building. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you about Janet, Rasheen Gallagher's character. She hasn't actually done that much, Rasheen Gallagher, when I looked her up and I thought, wow, she this I hope this really propels her forward to something. Because I thought she was 
really beautiful in terms of exactly Johnny Flynn I, I don't know I haven't seen the shows that you you reference or you know the the recent Emma so it took me a bit longer to get to grips with him I think the other thing as well is that he's been on lots of interviews talking about how his character Seamus is meant to be a younger version of Robert Peston or Andrew Marr and I just couldn't see that in the character so I think that put me off even more because in my mind he was really like one of these people who just has it's a celebrity that has a really award-winning podcast mm. and goes into that sort of current affairs thing but not necessarily someone who is grounded in politics like an Andrew Marr or a Robert Peston so I couldn't quite configure those things I just felt that he was someone who was clearly very personable who they might want to put on a on a on a politics show but more from a lighter perspective than those deep analysis of, of politics particularly in Belfast um, and we see him put his foot in it you know mentioning the troubles mentioning the youth he, he doesn't seem to me to be a very serious commentator on politics as the people who he mentions are so it took me a little while to get to grips with him I think in another interview he said sort of Dermot O'Leary as well and I kind of saw more of that so that that <laughs> helped but you, you do get to see that he it's sort of the um, what's the you know when you've got like a bit of a a build up around you and you've got this persona you see the walls come down I think over the course of the, at least the two episodes that, that I've seen but and then him being a bit of an idiot and and her trying to sort of work out it's going to work is it not going to work the girlfriend all of that and I, I really really enjoyed it I'm also really chuffed that the girlfriend is Alice Eve who I adore in all things and Alice Eve is just wonderful so I'm glad that she's popped up and I'm hope, hope to see more of her in later episodes so yeah I, I mean it's not something that I'm going to go to bed really thinking about you know like sort mm. of sitting working it out or you know th- like the changeling I've thought about the themes of that quite a lot and trying to sort of unpack it a bit you know I've not sat trying to work out what's going on with it but if I was to go back on my telly box and point the remote control at it I suspect that I would find myself going oh I'll just watch episode three of the lovers how bizarre rom-com for someone who doesn't like rom-coms then that'll do it yeah <laughs> Put that on the poster. Because your husband, Mark, he's more of the comedy fan, isn't he? Do you think he this, do you think he would like this? Yeah, and and it would uh, well, obviously once he listens to this podcast, he will he will know all about it. <laughs> be compelled to watch it. I'm definitely gonna continue with it now based on what you've both said. And again, with as we always say with comedy, you need at least two episodes to sort of formal opinions i think all episodes are up there now on on now or it's thursdays on uh, sky atlantic and finally race across the world is back uh, but this time it's a quote-unquote celebrity version i know everyone when you say the word celebrity it's like i've never heard of them i've never heard of them we've got now we've got harry judd from mcfly he's in here with his mum emma Mel Blatt from All Saints with her mum, Helene. Alex Beresford uh, from uh, ITV's The Weather <laughs> with um, his dad. Was it not Noel? Yeah. Is that how they said it? And Billy Munger, who was someone I didn't initially thought I knew. Um, who He's a racing car driver who was in a, a Formula 4 crash um, and is a double amputee. And I've actually seen him on the last leg. I think he did... Um, a challenge with with Alex Brooker and he's here with his uh, sister Bonnie after last uh, series of Race Across the World where it was really Race Across Canada we're back to actually racing 
across multiple countries. Uh, we're starting in Marrakesh in Morocco and the final destination, Tromso, Tromso, how do you say it? Somewhere in Norway. It's the Arctic bit of Norway where you can see the Northern Lights up that way. First episode, though, um, sees them try to get to Pinau, Pinau in uh, uh, Portugal. Um, as ever, we've got the, you know, the squabbles over how much uh, something's going to cost. Miss Buses, not uh, winding your clock back on your watch and sort of the working for bed and board, meeting the locals and just trying to get to that first checkpoint as quick as possible. And you get these sort of, as you did in the last series, sort of stories about the couples and the celebrities and where they are in their lives. I know, Elaine, you were certainly a massive fan of, was it the second series? Because you had it in in your number one of TV on one, because I listened back to some of your top tens of your podcasts and you had it as number one one year. Um, But I don't think you and Mark were fans of the last series, were you? So. a fan I think Mark less so I, I think because of of the pandemic I think you know that there were a lot and the production you know I think the crew did a brilliant job I have to say to work around all of those problems and those restrictions I, I think we get used to the, the traditional view of race across the world is that you're going through multiple countries that you are going to be coming up against different currencies and different languages and in the Canadian, the third series, in this, this Canadian route, I think the most we came is when we went through a bit of French Canada and there was a bit of French speaking, but it also lent itself to the use of taxis, which we hadn't really seen before in the in the other series. So I think it lost a little bit of the peril that you, you get into when you're having to cross borders and trying to, in the drama of, of doing all of those things and the stress that 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 brings although there's still drama and stress and 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 some beautiful moments as well in series three I can't criticize it too much because I think they just did a a really great job to even bring one to the to the table but it it was lacking that that something that we had from the first two series and which this as you say sort of comes back to we're back to that tradition of going through 24 countries trying to work out the time zones um, it really did feel like the first couple of series of, of Race Across the World. When they first brought this out, I said this on the honeymoon period. I said, <laughs> I went really, really like, you know, I'm very black and white thinker. And I, was, I hate it. I hate it. It's going to be awful. <laughs> it's going to be dreadful. I'm not going to watch it. Is that what I think I said? I said, I'm not going to watch it. Everyone's going to know these celebrities. All they need to do is turn up in a country. They'll know who they are. They'll want their autograph. Everyone's going to help them because they've got a camera crew with them and they're a celeb. And straight away, that was just out of the window. I completely forgot that they were famous. And I just took them as people. I think that's the beauty of this show is once you've got a backpack on, once you've got no makeup, once all of the the trappings of the celebrity lifestyle are gone, you are just people going through countries, trying to get on a bus, trying to work out where the loo is, you know, camping in a field, you know, all of those things are, are gone. And I was amazed and also really, really chuffed because it felt like just a series four of Race Across the World. To me, yes, there are some moments, for example, Melanie Blatt of All Saints fame starts singing, you know, never ever in a bar. And and but then you get to see how 
she will only do it to a small group of people. She won't mm. go out and sing with the other singers. There's other singers in the bar and she just feels so lacking in confidence that she can't possibly go up against these singers. And so you get to know the people as people rather than celebrities. And I think that's one of the things for Race Across the World for me is you get to see family dynamics, you get to see friendships, even if the people are behaving in a way that you find quite difficult at times and I do sometimes I just think why are you doing that or why are you behaving in that way to to another person you're still going along with with them and you're still with you're still empathizing with them and you you get to know about them and and those family relationships and dynamics and friendships that's one of the things that I really love about Race Across the World is the scenery the peril and the drama but those relationships and that's what you've got in this show in Buckets no matter who it is apparently no matter if it's someone who you know or people that you don't know I absolutely loved it, as you can tell by my voice. Yeah, and I think they've done well in sort of the level of person they've got on this. Is it? It's not instantly recognisable faces. As I say, you know, I know of Billy Munger, but I probably wouldn't know him to look at him in the street. Alex Beresford, I sort of know, but don't, you know, watch a lot of the ITV news. The other two, more famous, I would say, just the groups that they were in sort of ubiquitous but then again maybe not in countries across across Europe they're going to be in and and again as you say you've got the stories with Mel sort of being in that area where she doesn't really know what she's going to do I love her mum I love Helene I think she is ace Harry Judd and his mum slightly different dynamic but you know their story is that she's never really got to spend any time with him for a lot elongated period of time he was in McFly touring from when he was 17 there's a lovely scene in the first episode where they've gone to this like beekeeping place and the little boy is is playing playing drums and he teaches on a little drum pad billy munger's story obviously is with his being a w amputee trying to do the actual race element and how much he'll let his sister actually help him and and take the bags and things like that and i found that very compelling Alex Beresford's relationship with his dad was interesting as well. There's sort of power dynamic. And there's the scene when they're in Seville, isn't it? And and Noel's like, I, I've been here before. I've worked here before. I know that you've got to, you can pay on for the bus. And Alex is going around the station going, let's find someone, just ask them. And and then they got on the bus and said, yeah, you can pay on the bus. It's, it's those little things that it doesn't matter if you are famous or you're not. You still have those relationships with your parents, with your siblings. It's brilliant that they're doing it again across all these different countries. So, yeah, Dawn. I love that all four teams, it's a familial, you know, a family relationship. Mm. Um, I think I would have been a bit more disappointed if it was friendships, you know, because this has a lot more history and depth to it. And um, as you said, explained all the different dynamics. I'm especially interested in Billy and, and, and his sister Bonnie. I'm really fascinated by their relationship. And Bonnie, when it, very early on, we got a close-up of her looking at something. And I was like, oh, look at her long nails. She's going to be a princess. And then they go to a tannery full of pigeon droppings. And she just gets right in there. And I was like, oh, I'm going to love her. She's great. And then, as you see, she, you know, she takes Billy's bags and... Uh, Alex Bairdford said, oh, you're a machine, you know, and I thought, this really something, I'm really interested in seeing their relationship, and and also how Billy, as someone with prosthetics, and someone who's disabled, how he will cope as as they travel on, I'm especially interested in that, and the fact that the three other relationships are are 
parent child and those difficult dynamics of now you're an adult and you know the powers yes but also you have to start looking after your parent and you know harry being concerned that his mum can't move so fast as he can and worrying about her and to me that's what race across the world is about it's about the relationships and everything else is just the sitcom <laughs> you know it's a, in the sitcom it's the situation and this is just the situation you're putting them in and it's it's their relationships that make it casting people for race across the world deserve all the plaudits all the awards mm. because they do that every season they get really interesting couples with something you as you as you say even if you don't necessarily like them per se you don't agree with them you care about them so they do a fantastic job and they've done it again with with this and you will forget they're famous very quickly and I think they are all likable though I would say yeah I think Alex Beresford can be a bit coarse sometimes but apart from that yeah I agree they're all, and I feel for Melanie I just kind of you go oh bless her she's obviously so mm. lost and yet it's 40 or whatever age she is mm. um but her mum is fabulous. Her she mum's have- amazing. <laughs> and I think maybe that's one of the first times we've had someone where the, they speak so many languages. Yeah. And it, Mel said, oh, she speaks. And it, the, it wasn't just the friendship, it was others as well. And she just was in there getting the bus tickets, getting, you know, saying that everyone else is wandering around, sort of asking, does anyone speak English? And, you know, it was that I thought that was brilliant. And I thought it was fascinating. She was saying that her mum wasn't her first choice. Yeah, <laughs> and there was that little joke about you weren't even my first choice, and I'm like, bring her along, like she's great. She's like, a, like you say, a force of nature, much like Bonnie, who I I was exactly the same as you, Dawn. I, you know, you you kick yourself, don't you, because you think I've judged someone by the way that they look, and we all know that that is not the right way to go around life, and we all know that it, it that's meaningless. We can look at someone and we can make a decision. And we know that's completely wrong, and straight away I was the same. I was thinking. Oh, I'm not sure she's going to be able to to hack this. And then there she goes, proving you absolutely wrong, getting right in there, talking about how she was working for two months over here. This is where she'd sit, you know, and just getting the sense of who she was, which seemed to be totally at odds with this ill-conceived view I had of her when I when I first looked. And I gave myself a good slap across the face and, and said, you know, like, you should know this is not the right thing to do. We always judge people, you know, by the way we see them and we take an instant reaction to them. I love that this show, again, proves that point, you know that you've got to see people for who they are and what they what they do. And I hope she goes on to do great things. I have a really, really good feeling about Bonnie. I really hope that this gives her opportunities outside of outside of the show because I've really taken a shine to her. Yeah, I think possibly as well you have that conception because there was a sort of princessy character on the last series of Race Across the World. Possibly that's clouded your judgment a little bit, maybe. <laughs> Completely enjoyed it. I think we're all on the same page here. Um this is going to be weekly on Wednesday nights from today when you hear the podcast uh, on BBC One. Uh, so, yeah, that is us done for another week. Do you want to just quickly go through, guys, where we can find you online? Elaine, I'll start with you. Uh, we are the Honeymoon Period Podcast. You can find us at the Honeymoon Pod. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Honeymoon Pod. Uh, I am Don Glenn too on Twitter and you can find the Shipyard USP on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Um, and uh, also I am on Instagram, uh, Ikel Oshu, I-K-K-L-E-O-S-U. Also the, the same name on Threads. Threads, yeah. And yeah, I'm at Matt's TV Bites, as I said. 
uh, at Luke Custer TV for the website, uh, thecustertv.com. You can find all of our podcasts there or on your podcast apps of choice. Please rate, review and subscribe. Next week, I think we are going to have another week off. There's not a great deal to cover, but there may be something in your podcast feeds next week. Me and Luke are having a chat about something, so there might be a, an extra podcast to look out for at some point. But until then, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.